0: Hi everyone, and welcome to The Human Behind the Screen. And I'm your host, Shauna Morin. The ways in which we work and scale workforces are changing. No longer are we reliant on physical locations in order to operate as a business or a team. And this shift in building teams and companies is coming rapidly, and businesses are being forced to adapt to what they've always done for years. But what does this mean for the humans behind the screen? How do we bring back that human connection when we primarily work online? In this podcast, we'll be speaking to leaders and experts all over the world to dissect what makes businesses successful at remote working. We'll be discussing the importance of human connection, emotional intelligence, and relationships in an ever-changing virtual world. Hi, guys, it's Shawna here again, and uh, today I'm really looking forward to speaking with someone that I've been chatting to for a while because she is a real remote working advocate. She truly understands what makes remote working successful, um, what makes remote teams successful, and I'm just thrilled to share. Um, and speak with her today around her experiences in her remote working journey. So Morgan Legg is from Convert.com, is based in Montreal. And Morgan, a huge welcome. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm uh, really excited to talk about this topic. I'm really passionate about it. And I think the more that we talk about this, openly and transparently, we can get more companies and more people to understand what good remote work is and how to achieve that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to talk about the the real aspects of remote, I mean... You know, there's a lot of people out there trying to navigate their way through remote and you've had a lot of lessons along the way. So hopefully that can help some other people out there and maybe just starting off their journey. But tell us, how did you get started with the world of remote work? How did that
1: come about? By accident, (laughs) it's probably (laughs) not the answer that people want to hear. I think that my experiences to date have really helped me to be a great remote worker and to be able to coach the team as well. Uh, I originally come from <laughs> um, a problem-solving background as a renovation project manager for, with interior space planning background. So I essentially was managing high dollar projects for kitchens and baths and remodels and working with a really diverse team in terms of everything from clients down to, or across to trades, subcontractors. And on the surface, it might be like, oh, what, what, how? But the reality is is that the skills that I used there are absolutely transferable. So I think that that's really key for when people make that transition. So problem solving, being able to see the bigger picture and the details as well, being able to align people with really disparate interests and motivations. So that's my professional background. I actually met Dennis, our CEO, In Playa del Carmen, Mexico, where I was living at the time. And we were both a part of the small business community. I was starting a business, he was running networking events and things like that. And fast forward, I had left Mexico, moved to Montreal, and he contacted me one day. We had kept in touch. He contacted me and said, yeah, so I want to try this uh, Holacracy thing. I really want to grow my company. I, I think this is the way to do it. Can you help me with this? And I was kind of like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, my, my, my background is I have a political science degree, you know, so it's, you know, like me, there's a lot of research and things involved and, and uh, concepts. And so he's like, well, here's some articles. Read about it. Let's talk in a week. So we did that. And I was totally intrigued. I had come off a bout of having a couple of really bad bosses and bad employment situations. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, this sounds like fun to implement, but also a really unique way of working. So I said yes. And I started, I think originally I was five hours a week and then 10 and then 15 and Yeah. So basically what I tell people is I learned all about holacracy and then I taught the team and then we iterated a lot. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, we got we've eventually gotten to where we are today.
0: Wow. And maybe define holacracy in your terms, in your words for those out there who maybe haven't heard of the term before.
1: So I think that there's a. It's really important to understand that it's not flat. A lot of people, when they think of, when they hear all these new terms. They think of like, uh, you know, oh, it's flat. It's flat. That's like the hot term, right? It's not. So the th- interesting thing about holocracy is that it's really a specific operating system for a business, uh, or for it could be used in a nonprofit. So let's say an organization to help them become self-managed and Mm self-organized and what it does is it allows the members of that organization to focus on the purpose uh, and that is at a level of the organization the individual and at the team so that's in a nutshell what it does. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a ton of flexibility contained within that. I mean, you just really think of it as an operating system. That's it. I mean, we yeah. constitute, you know, as a constitution, there's a lot of rules. Uh, and But within structure comes flexibility, right? So mm-hmm. if you know what your parameters are, then you're free to do whatever you need to do and make decisions you need to make for the end goal. Mm. and no one's going to tell you otherwise so so it focuses
0: on that autonomy you know just yes like because you've had a lot of different roles within Converse, right like you started off in hr uh yeah
1: yeah yeah i i I have had i still have a lot of different roles so i now hold most of my roles in sales and success and marketing i still hold roles in Smooth Ops, which is our operations circle. I love the name. Yeah. Uh, Conscious Business and Holacracy Bootstrapper are the two roles that I hold there. And then the bulk of my roles are in other circles. So you really like have that flexibility to go where your nose and your interests take you, provided you have the skills.
0: Mm. And what were the key reasons, I guess, for... You and Dennis deciding on this structure and, you know, what were the attractions, I guess, to doing this as opposed to, you know, your standard organizational structures?
1: Great question. So I can't take credit for that. He tells the story and we actually have an article we can post in the show notes about him. He's a reforming micromanag- reformed micromanager, so he tells his story of how he was contacted on a Friday night at like 9 or 10 p.m. of someone asking for approval to buy a piece of software that costs like 30 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. I forget the details. And he, it just kind of like hit him right in the face. Like, I'm the CEO of the company. Like, why are people asking me for this kind of permission, like, this is so wrong. Like he had become the boss that he never wanted to work for. And he couldn't believe that, like, all these kind of blockers and impediments. And I guess this level of micromanagement that he'd kind of put in place and then facilitated its kind of ugly (laughs) iteration (laughs) and growth had come back to bite him. And it was like, no, I actually would like to spend time with my family. I'd actually like to be able to trust the people I work with. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that and he had also kind of concurrently like seen a TED talk with Brian Robertson, which was super interesting on Holocracy and how Brian Robertson came to come up with the structure and of Holocracy itself. So coupled with that, then he started reading more and he was like, No, I have to do this. And you know, it's been very successful for us in terms of allowing us to grow and scale the business and attract talent too so it's i think it's a win all around
0: are a lot of companies doing it today morgan is it is it on the on the rise
1: i can't speak for raw numbers there is a list on holacracy one's website of the organizations that have made public that they practice or that they're powered by holacracy I will say that if you want to build or grow a remote team, this is a fantastic way to do it. Because it gives you so much freedom as a founder. I mean, it's also you're empowering a lot of people. There's a huge, huge, huge degree of trust and transparency that's involved, right? Like you have to have a certain mindset. You have to hire the right way. You have to have processes, some processes in place and things like that. It's not something that you just wake up one day and decide, oh, I'm going to do this and I don't need to do any work to make it happen. It does take work for sure. But I think that the nature of remote You know, it doesn't, I see these tools and I'm sure that you have consulted with uh, organizations who do this too. You know, they have like screen recording and they have time sheets and all this kind of thing. And it's like,
0: where's the trust?
1: Where is the trust? Like you wouldn't have a screen recorder in the majority of business if you were co-located, yet how many people waste their time at work? Like mm-hmm. in an office, right? It's like Friday afternoon, we all know is a <laughs> a total time waster, right? Or people come in and they chit chat and then, mm-hmm. you know, it's like after lunch or they, they feel bored, they walk over to someone's desk, you know, I mean, really the productivity in any office is probably 60%, you know, yeah. maybe 50 if you're lucky. And we understand that people are human and our expectation for productivity is about like 60 70%. Like I really don't care if you're going to go on Facebook for 10 minutes. Like it's not my business as long as you're delivering results. That's all that matters. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to spread your 8-hour day into 12 hours because you take lots of breaks, that's fine.
0: Yeah yeah you know it's the it's that focus on output versus input and it's it's given people that trust and i think a lot of businesses are mostly leaders right it's it's a mindset shift that needs to happen a lot of the time just like mm-hmm. you speak about dennis right like having that micromanagement approach realizing and then you know going the complete opposite way but I find with a lot of businesses and leaders it's about changing their mindset first around how Mm -hmm. they can go remote Mm -hmm. and how they can adapt as leaders it's a new concept and change can always be that little bit scary right but yeah I would say that trust without the trust no matter the tools the technologies the processes Mm -hmm. that you use it just it won't work.
1: It won't work at all and it really is a mindset shift. So we think that, we think, I mean, you see it too, all these conversations about remote work and digital nomads and this is the hot new thing. And it's a lifestyle that like irks me so much, that word. It's a remote work lifestyle. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) It's like the color of my, the cut of my shirt. Like, what is this? But the the reality is, is that if you're lousy at time management and self-discipline to begin with, you're going to be an even worse remote Mm -hmm. worker. Like, it's just going to bring out the worst traits that you have in terms of your professional or even your personal capabilities. Mm -hmm. It's not a band-aid to making work great. We still have to have good bosses and companies that treat workers with respect. And I will say that one of the things that we do, so we have our core team, but we still hire freelancers and project-based or whatever it might be. And so one of the platforms that we use is Upwork. And when we have any freelancer we hire, we have them turn the time tracking off, the screen share time tracking on their computer off, And it takes trust from them because Mm -hmm. there's some ramifications on their end in terms of, you know, payment and things like this. But for us, it's like, I don't need to see what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And secondly, it's a privacy concern, right? Like that's being captured and that could be customer information. It could be any number of things. And we'd actually don't want that being stored somewhere that we don't have control over. Mm -hmm. So it's twofold. And, you know, people, Freelancers are not are generally not used to working like that. And they're like, mm. what? Wait, you trust me to do this? Yeah. You have a five-star rating. Yeah. You've earned $50,000 like yes I trust that you're going to do the work. Like yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is this is a no-brainer, you know? And it's uh, yeah, so I think that it really boils down to is we need to be better bosses and we need to be better professionals mm-hmm. at the crux of it all to be great remote workers.
0: Mm-hmm. I I couldn't agree with you more. So tell us a little bit about the team at Converse. Where you guys based um how many people are on the team now how quickly are you scaling
1: okay so I had a little look before our call (laughs) (laughs) we're 30 core members we're I think we're in nine time zones maybe it's 10 now we have someone in um, in New Zealand so it's very multicultural we are year over year I think 50% so in terms of growth, which is really fantastic. Yeah, multi-time zone, the size of the team. What else did you want to know?
0: Yeah, no, that's good. And, and tell me about those nine time zones. How do you guys, <laughs> the question everybody has, how have you found the best ways to manage time zones on the team? That's nine, nine time zones with 30 people. That's That's quite a lot
1: it is quite a lot so there's a couple of important factors it's one is generally speaking unless it's customer support we customer support or sales we don't have a requirement for a role to work in a certain time zone so we're a us company we have mailing address in California. We're a registered U.S. company, but the majority of our customers are in North America and Western Europe. Okay, We're all over. So the one thing that I realized really early on is your best talent and your best people can be anywhere. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't matter when the job gets done, it then doesn't matter where your people are located mm-hmm. because we work – asynchronously. So actually, what's really cool is when I'm sleeping, there are people getting things done, Mm. right? And because we work on this holacracy framework, there's a lot of freedom to make decisions. So we don't make decisions by consensus. So there's no need to wait eight or 10 hours for someone to get up, to get online, uh, to help you with something. You know, you can easily send them a quick video, say, hey, you know, I have this document, I really like your input on it, what do you think? And then by the time you've woken up, you have your answer and you can make your decision. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if the decision is yours to make. So, most of our work is asynchronous. So, that and Holacracy allows us to do that. So, I think that if we didn't operate under Holacracy as an organizational structure, as an operating system, then it, there, would, there could be a lot of bottlenecks, mm. right? Yeah. But this allows us to make those decisions asynchronously. And it's really beautiful to see.
0: Yeah, and tell me how how are decisions typically made in a holacracy environment?
1: So each member has a role or multiple roles, okay? Each role and the role could take half an hour a week or it could take 20 hours a week, mm. okay? So the roles can be different sizes and what happens is each role has a purpose, and it has domains usually, and accountabilities. So domains are only mine to control. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for example, I have the role of one of the roles I hold is of Holacracy Bootstrapper. So I have the purpose to evolve, converts, use and adoption of Holacracy. It's not laid out anywhere how I have to do that. I can decide the best way that I think to do that. The domains, there's several pieces of software that I own in my domain, Mm -hmm. which means that people cannot get involved in those without my consent to do that, okay? Okay. And then I have accountabilities, so recurring things that I am accountable for, for my role. And it's really easy to see, so we use a software called GlassFrog, which was developed by Holacracy One to run an organization, a self-managed organization, okay? And what it does is, uh, oh, I need to know um, who's the admin for Slack, let's say. You know, I need to, Mm -hmm. we need to add users or something like that. I can go into GlassFrog, I can type Slack, and I can see, oh, that's a operation software admin owns that, so all I need to do is make them a task and just say, hey, add, add Shauna to Slack. Mm-hmm. Here's her email address. There's no conversation about why, who is this person? Like, I just give the information that's needed and it gets done, right? So it's really about trust and transparency, mm-hmm. And there still what, is
0: that structure, right? There's still yeah, that structure. It's that very structured. Love. Yeah, it's
1: very structured. And I think that that's kind of a common misconception: mm. is that holocracy is somehow willy-nilly. It's not a structured way to run an organization, and it couldn't be further from the truth, right? Mm. So within this structure, you have incredible amounts of freedom to do great things or to make big
0: mistakes.
1: (laughs) 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 And, you know, with great freedom, because you know, you accept great responsibility. responsibility. Uh, And so that comes to one of the things that you and I had talked to before we started recording about communication, right? So Mm -hmm. if you do fuck up, then we expect you to take responsibility for that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right? Yeah. Own it. Like I might decide, and I, this happened early on when we were doing the adoption for Holacracy. I was like, I had this like idea of how we were going to go forward. And I spent two weeks, you know, mapping out everything and, and figure. and it turned out that it was like a total disaster. It was not the way we should have been doing it. And I own my mistake. Like, yeah, I just wasted two weeks mm-hmm. of full-time work and doing the wrong thing. But I owned it and be transparent about, oh, okay, this is what I learned and this is what I'm not going to do again. And, you know, you you set the example to the rest of the team in the process, right? So that's how you continue to build and iterate on transparency and communication mm-hmm. is that everyone has to lead by example when they make mistakes or when they have wins, right? So we Absolutely. actually have a couple of like Slack channels for that specifically where we can shout and share about that, it's really, really important.
0: I love that. I'm being deliberate about that and, and being able to own it as an organization because it just becomes more comfortable, right, in, in owning that and speaking about it. And there's power behind that. So let's chat about remote working because I read on your LinkedIn profile that you have an objective or an aim to make remote working feel less remote. And I think it's a it's a challenge for all remote companies is how do you create that sense of team and that sense of togetherness when you have people working, you know, in this case across nine different time zones that may never have actually met each other in person.
1: Right. And there's still people I haven't met in person. We had our retreat last year for the first time and there's still people I haven't met. So I think it starts with engagement and then you have to imbue empathy into that. So one of the things we do when we onboard people into the team is, so we have a whole onboarding project and one of those, actually not one, but many of the tasks involve, okay, your job as someone being onboarded is you now get to go into Slack, into all the public channels that we have, which is about 10, I think. And read the history. Nice. And there's people who are like, "Wait, what? This is work." <laughs> it's like, yes, we want you to go scroll back, We delete after six months. So it's like, okay, yeah. we, you go in and take it and we do that for privacy. So we're very privacy focused with our customers, but also mm-hmm. with internally as well. So you know, scroll back up and take a day or half a day. Mm. And read through all that. And you really get to understand the sense of humor that people have, how we talk to each other, how we empathize with each other. You get to understand how different people use gifts and emojis, mm. which are super important in communication. You see how we empathize or don't empathize with each other and what our sense of humor is like mm. you know so one of the things that we do in our onboarding is we also share like there's actually a task it says uh, learn about our sense of humor or these are some things mm. these are some things we find funny and then there's a bunch of links to some videos and then there are some attachments of comics you know mm. like, I think Dilbert's in there and there's a couple of others and it's like, Dilbert. yeah, so and good. it's he's so good. And it, I guess sometimes it cuts a little too close to home. You're like, Oh, I'm <laughs> laughing for the wrong reason. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, so this, you know, gives you a real insight into who you're joining. Right. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that, I started to do when we started to grow the team was that every time someone's hired either as a core member uh, or someone who's on a three month contract, we make a welcome video for them. So every member of the team makes a personalized video and you post it into our public channel and you share it with them and they do the same thing. So then when they come on and they're, you know, Added to Slack, they can see all these videos have been made for them. Mm -hmm. And that's a really welcoming way and really special way to learn about someone in their own words and to feel the sense of what the vibe of what the team is, right? So, you know, you can do it sitting at your desk. I try and do it. outside in my environment, where I might be. Some people, one person took us on a hike uh, and edited it together, like you know, and it's and it's interesting because over time, you know, we kind of try and one up each other in terms of like. <laughs> so there's people who have like oh edited their day together in two minutes, and it's like okay, I'm never going to be able to like meet that. Part. Yeah, it's no, <laughs> I'll, I'll gladly hand that trophy to somebody else. But it's uh, yeah. So I, so the less remote part. So you want to be getting to know the people that you work with Mm. in ways that you can build trust and transparency. Right. So people start to understand, you know, your tone of voice, your body, your um, body body language language. Yeah. 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 And it's important because then you're able to, when you're on a call, you can immediately see, how that person is doing right Mm -hmm. so our default is video on it's like unless your connection is really bad or your you know it's a really exceptional circumstance our default is video on so that is and we make that clear like from the beginning in the hiring process and I think that you know you have I mean certainly there's all kinds of like side conversations that you get from being in an office or you overhear things and, you know, you can't recreate that, but you can do other things to help things feel less remote, right? It can be as simple as, you know, me sending you a DM and saying, hey, Shawnee, you seem really distracted in that meeting. Is everything okay? Mm-hmm. You know, it can be as simple as uh, someone saying, oh, you know, I'm leaving early today. My son is is sick. And then replying in thread and saying, you know, I hope he feels better soon. Or, you know, that really sucks. Like, just
0: mm-hmm. be
1: human. Be right? human. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people forget to do that because they're so busy. And so, you know, the company's going quickly and they're growing and they have so many things to do and they're so connected through technology that they forget that that human approach is just as important, if not more it is. important.
1: It is. And I would say that people who use that as an excuse are missing the point mm-hmm. because if you take the time to engage and be empathetic and get to know people, you have then created a foundation in which you can do better work. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So it really galls me when I hear type A's or whoever it is saying, oh yeah, I don't have time for that. Well, you're certainly gonna have time later when you have to fix an expensive mistake because you didn't communicate properly because you didn't understand the person behind the screen. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And those kinds of mistakes can be mitigated or avoided, if you take the time in the beginning to really get to know someone and how they work, right? And what they're about, right? Mm -hmm. So it's an investment, certainly, but it's one that pays dividends on the end. And I think that if you have a short-term view to what work is and what scaling and what productivity is, then you're missing the point, Mm -hmm. right? These kinds of things do take time and don't seem maybe important to someone who's just looking at the bottom line in terms of really looking at a spreadsheet, right? Mm-hmm. But how many times have, have you been able to go back and uncover that really mistakes are just like really so easy to fix if we had taken the time in the beginning? Oh, right? yes,
0: yes. Absolutely, preach that. I mean, tell me how do you how do you build upon empathy and active listening when you're speaking with the rest of your team because obviously it doesn't come naturally to some people, and you know there are leaders out there that are looking to build upon those skills. Is there anything that you do that enables you to build better empathy and to listen on that deeper level with your team?
1: Yes, so I think that. Speaking, when we're just speaking about how to make things less remote, I think that that, what that does as well is it helps people to build empathy, even though they don't really realize that they're doing it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is super important to exercise those muscles, right? The other tools that I used when at the very beginning and kind of the middle stages of scaling holacracy and implementing holacracy is The Culture Map by Erin Meyer, it is a great book, and really with fantastic examples about how cultural differences affect and affect your perceptions and your biases as well. Radical Candor is another one, mm-hmm. but my favorite one really is The Country Comparison Chart by Hofstede Insights, and what it does is it allows you to pick countries and compare how they react and deal with authority, how our masculinity, or there's five different categories. And it really gave me the tools to work with people one on one to embrace this mindset of communication, right? Or at least start to learn it, right? Mm-hmm. Because in a culturally diverse team, you're talking about not just the culture, but also the type of education system, the types of family values that persist. And you're then having to, it's remote. And then you're also than implementing Holacracy, which is all about communication and transparency and not about status and not about power and not about these things, which can be super ingrained, right? Mm -hmm. So there's like all these moving parts that come together, right, to to create this perfect storm, which is never perfect. And you just have to accept that people are always going to be at different levels in that journey and you can coach them the best that you can and they also have to take steps to use and and uh, iterate on their skills mm-hmm.
0: and I'm plus one to all of those resources that, that you mentioned and the other thing that you mentioned is coaching and I obviously as a coach <laughs> I, I love coaching <laughs> but also I really try and help people become coaches themselves in their leadership styles or in interacting with their colleagues, because that I truly believe leads to long-term performance and gains and empowerment of teams. Do you guys practice a lot of coaching in your interactions internally?
1: I have the, the quick answer is no. I think I have worked really hard to coach people one-on-one when we were doing the initial and middle stages of adoption. And we're now working on a coaching part that's going to be integrated into a 360 feedback loop. So that is kind of the next phase of that. I mean, the thing about Holacracy is that we're all managers. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely something that... I think if there's one thing I could have done differently previously was implemented this a lot earlier rather than taking it on myself. So that is one change that I would have made. But here we are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, you just have to adapt and and find a way forward. But yes, I agree with you. And I, I do think that, you know, if you're working in a distributed team, then your professional and personal development, whether or not it's in a holacracy environment, becomes much, much more important, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have the initiative, uh, you have to have the discipline to keep going with it, but it's also a really, you have to develop those skills, right? The active listening skills, the empathy, all that kind of stuff because even if you're a freelancer, like working, it's a great, it'll set you apart as someone to collaborate with and it's a I would say it's the it's the secret weapon right mm-hmm. of great work and it's something that doesn't cost money to learn but I, it goes back to what you were saying about people being coached it's like yes that's hugely hugely mm-hmm. important and that they can then get to a point where they can coach themselves and get through. And then it's like, oh, you're just going to touch base with somebody to kind of, you know, tweak the finer points. But it Mm -hmm. makes, first of all, it makes you more employable. (laughs) It makes you easier and better to work with. And I think that it it takes a lot of the BS out of work that can Mm -hmm. come, you know, it's like, you're able to discern, like, the fog and what's real and what's not—it's a hugely, and of course, then the side benefit is it translates to your your personal life, right? Absolutely, so. <laughs> absolutely, and that's
0: what it's all about. And you know, I'm curious to know about your your own learnings about working remotely. Like, what are some of your best practices that you have in place? Because you work in a flexible schedule, right? So you're working with yes. nine time zones, and you're trying to kind of get time with different colleagues online so how do you best manage yourself in that environment and in that space
1: so one of the things like if I can go back when I before I even started so when I got the offer to work for convert.com I kind of freaked out I was like oh my god I've never worked in a remote team like what is this and I went on iTunes and I started looking for podcasts I was like, what is this? And I found Pilar Orti and Lizette Sutherland's podcast on remote work mm-hmm. and virtual, not distant, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I list, I like consumed a whole bunch of like a binge to listen to those and it really, really helped me to understand like what this remote work animal was. And so then fast forward You know, so I kind of had my feet a little bit under me when I started and I had to learn the technology side of it because I didn't even know what Slack was. Mm -hmm. I was like, Asana was like brand new to me. I was really like Sheets. was like really at the beginning. Like it was was a lot of uh, technology Mm -hmm. to learn, which was fine. So I think that those things are really, really important. And then you have to for me at least, you have to not be afraid to keep trying different things, right? Mm-hmm. So we had talked a little bit before I started recording and I think that you know we were kind of commiserating about you know the short days and awfulness yeah. of winter um and the grayness and everything. And I think you have to listen to yourself. Like, so I have the advantage of being in a flexible work schedule, right? With the, apart from meetings, I can do my work when I want to do it and when it works for me. And one of the things I told myself coming into this winter to save myself the mental anguish and anxiety was that I didn't want to wake up when it was dark outside. It was just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So I don't. I, you know, and that to me, like that's something I tried this year. Last year, I was at work by 5 a.m., 5.30 Eastern at the latest because I wanted to make more of a connection and more of an effort to get to know the people who were working on what I call time zones of the future, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Everyone who's kind of ahead of me. And that was great. I did that for a year, but it really affected my personal life in terms of, you know, the amount of sleep I got and how my weekends were like, I had to be in bed by nine o'clock on the weekend, didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think for me, at least it's always, don't be afraid to try different things. Right. So one thing that I did, I'm now have set days that I set but flexible depending on what's happening uh, like today for example i'm taking this this call from home but friday is my day to go out to co-working space mm-hmm. so i decided for myself it was i like to be in a this kind of environment when i'm doing podcast that's just my preference right but usually I go out and I interact with, quote unquote, the real world, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's really important and try different places to work. So you know that I've been experimenting with that. I go to my Pilates class mid-morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I do my grocery shopping during the day when there's not people who are like stressed out from yes. coming home from work. It's the best. <laughs> it's it's the, the best. best. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. <laughs> everything's been stocked. It's all clean. Yeah. You're not jostling. There's no lines at the checkout. It's like the best thing ever, right? So these kinds of small things are things that I do because it makes me as a person, as Morgan happier and more Mm -hmm. pleasant to be around. I go and I swim during the day. I don't go after work, right? After typical work. And that will mean that my day is broken up into two or three hour blocks, which is fine, you know? And does it mean I finish at five? No, but I'm okay with that Mm -hmm. because you know, I might take a two or three hour break in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. your mental, your mental health is really, really important, right? Like, I think it's something that is a uh, start, like as a remote work community, we're starting to talk about more, but it's something that we need to continue to talk about. Because I think that once we dig into it, we realize that it's not unique to, like remote workers, right? People in co-located environments also struggle with many of these. They may not struggle with the loneliness factor, the, you know, the isolation, but they certainly struggle with the inflexibility, right, of a lot of workplaces. So I think that when we have a conversation about remote work, we also need to talk about the future of work in terms of how do we make co-located work less bad, right? Mm -hmm just doesn't make sense to me with the Mm -hmm. kinds of commutes that many people have, if they have families or aging parents. Like we need to also, when we talk about remote work, we need to also talk about the flexibility of existing work, right? Because it's, Mm -hmm. I think it's easy to forget that, you know, most of the world doesn't work the way we work, Mm -hmm. right? And that's okay. Like, we don't need them to, like, jump on board and be happy and be a remote worker. They could be totally fine working in a co-located environment. It's just that we need to have, like, a really robust conversation about what that looks like in a healthy Mm -hmm. way. And so that people who do go into a job can enjoy the same kind of mental benefits that I have, that I've figured out as a remote worker. Like, I feel very, very lucky
0: Yeah, me too. I feel so lucky. It's only kind of, you know, I've been working remotely for the last seven years. It's only when you have to do something that you used to do, like commute or get (laughs) stuck in traffic that you realize, oh my goodness, I am so lucky. I forgot that this is how I used to spend my time or my mornings or my days. And I think, you know, you mentioned figuring it out and figuring it out for yourself and I think that's really important for remote workers who are maybe just starting out on their journey mm-hmm. you know that it's not you know remote working isn't an end goal you'll still have to work you'll still have to adapt you'll mm-hmm. still have to try and you know come up with new concepts when things don't work and um, mm-hmm. but also you need to take ownership over your mm-hmm. schedule and your routine and you know figure out what works for you because you know, similar to you, Morgan, my schedule is always changing as well, depending on what I feel I need at at that time. and That's the Mm -hmm. beauty of it.
1: Yeah, I think the ownership part that you're saying is super important, right? It's like understanding what you need, you can read, you know, 15 articles on, you know, the 10 best ways to work remotely. And that's great, but take them with a grain of salt. right? Like they're they're really, those are, uh, I feel by and large, uh, a way to sell the hype and a way to sell something as the cure-all. But the reality is, is that we're all different and we all have different needs and it's really remote work uh, is going to force you to figure out how to do it. Because really the most important thing is the work, right? Mm -hmm. Like, The most important thing is the work, like getting shit done, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Like you have to, no matter who it's for. And to do that, you need to be the best version of yourself, right? So you really have to listen to that. So I think that this is really the key to successful remote work. And, you know, sometimes you're going to try something and it's not going to work and that's okay. And you're going to realize, and we have transparency for that. it be like, Oh, I tried X, Y, and Z and it didn't work for me. So I'm going to try something else. Yeah. You know, we yeah. share about those, you know, tools and tricks and things like that.
0: Which I love, which I think is so important in the environment that you guys are in, in any environment, you know, it's that level of transparency and everybody showing up and embracing the learnings and the failures, the highs and the lows. And, you know, I think today has really been a great conversation. I think there's so many useful strategies and techniques that you have implemented and learnings that you have had and advice that you've given so thank you so much for coming on today. I'd, I'd love to have you back at another stage to talk <laughs> about another topic because I feel like we could do a few more yeah, episodes. I think, we t-
1: I think we could too. I had uh, It's always fun to geek out with somebody who is passionate about this topic as well with all its nuances and intricacies. And I really enjoyed speaking to you today, Shauna. And I hope that uh, your listeners will get a renewed vigor to try new things and embrace being uncomfortable
0: yeah absolutely and thank you for for being here and sharing and morgan if anybody wants to connect with you or follow along your journey or read a little bit more about convert how can they do so
1: they can reach me on linkedin My URL for LinkedIn is Morgan Legg, L-E-G-G-E. They can connect with me. Please add a note uh, because I don't accept connections without notes. Uh, And then they can also follow me on Twitter. And that is Morgan Leg Y-U-L, is my handle so those are the two we also have a a blog on convert which i'll share uh in the in the notes which they can read about we've written about uh, our journey in remote work and holacracy and things like that
0: fantastic thanks again morgan and uh, have a lovely rest of your day
1: will do you too
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Human Behind the Screen. I hope that you found it beneficial and had lots of key takeaways from today's conversation. Head on over to iTunes and don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast. If you do have any ideas or would like to advertise on this podcast, you can email us directly at podcast at OperateRemote.com. If you want to learn even more from this podcast and check out the key themes that came up, you can check out our blog at www.operateremote.com forward slash blog. Thanks for listening and talk soon.